Well, praise the Lord to everybody. Amen. Good stuff going on everywhere. You know, you can feel the shift in the spirit. Things are not the same, folks. But we have a neat little time frame here uh, for everybody. And uh, I'm so excited. Uh, I talk to Al quite a bit nowadays. And uh, he is so excited, too, because he began his ministry with um, a time where they, in the charismatic movement, the gifts of the Spirit and the miracles of God just flowed like, like a river. He said for several years... There was no service that didn't get attended to by some a miracle of some sort or a knowledge, I mean, some obvious manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then it went away. And we all, all of you in here, have been basically living our lives out like the Jews did in the wilderness. We've been living. God's been providing for us. But to say that we could see what that last song said, not really. And we see bits and pieces of it, but not like we have heard of. Will he come again? Will he do these things again? Prophet after prophet asked God, would you do that again? You think that doesn't go up into his ears? And if, big if, if we are really living in the last days, the last of the last days, surely he will do that then. Because the power of the evil one will be so strong and is already started that God has got to confront it. He's got to meet it with a, with a level that's equal to what's coming at us. And if you don't want to know how, how strong is it that's coming at us, just turn on your TV. Did y'all see Nancy Pelosi tear up that? Did that make you want to go there and slap Jezebel around a little bit? You know, I mean, Jesus angry. Pray for the leaders that we don't go other, you know, angry. That was just ridiculous. But, you know, it goes back to uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 54. We've, we talked about that. It's a scripture, a prophecy God gave to me when, we, when he uh, changed the name of this church. And I, he gave it to me again before Trump was even elected. Let me know that Trump was going to win. Blew my mind. But uh, that every tongue that rises against him in judgment, he will condemn it. Is he doing it? Do you see him hold up that newspaper? Acquitted? But we're not seeing the end of it yet. Every weapon, every weapon formed against him will not prosper. So we haven't seen the end of it yet. So the media, the, the deep state, dark state, whatever they call that thing, uh, the Democrats, pardon me. We haven't seen the end of it. And he's going to destroy those weapons. Okay? And you're called to it as well. Don't kid yourself. When God moves at a level like that, he moves everywhere. All through the kingdom, it's going on. It's going on in Andrews. And that's why we see Gary and Dwayne being called to the, to the thing. We need leaders. We need captains. We need Joshua's and Caleb's to lead us. That say, yes, we can. You know, and we're not all about, you know, governmental authority being our, our goal. Oh, no, 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 no. We're about the kingdom of God coming. And when the kingdom of God comes, according to Kittle, it is literally a cosmic catastrophe. You think about it. The kingdom of this world, how good is that? The kingdom of God, how good is that? And when it comes, boom, something gives. There's a collision. It's coming. 
Now, in Psalms 138, we, we talked about that last week. <clears throat> it was a, a word given by an apostle from England, and uh, we preached about it. It was really good. Um, his word is really right on. And so I just borrowed it because it's the word of the Lord. I don't care. I, you know, I really don't care where the word comes from. If it's the Lord, let's just give it. Nobody needs any praise or, or whatever. They just need to hear God. So we're going to go back into this uh, psalm again that he gave and, and go at it from a different angle today. Uh, very exciting stuff, I think. Psalms 138 speaks to a time that I think that we have been in. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will, will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. What a scripture. So it's interesting that it is in times of trouble that the fullness of God perfecting that which concerns us comes to the table. It's in times of trouble. That's when the complete work of God is seen. What God starts, God will also finish. And so we've been in a process for quite a while of the in-betweens. Last week, we focused in verse 7 on, in times of trouble, you will revive me. That Hebrew word revive. And we went through seven different things where that revive thing shows itself. And I'm not going to re- you know, repeat that sermon. Go back and listen to it last week. It's really a good teaching. So, But revive us in these times. That's when we see this amazing power that we even sang about. That's when it comes, is in times of trouble. So today we're going to focus on the word trouble and, ta- and let it take us where it will. And folks, I want to say this also as we move through this. You know, I have felt two years ago, this is interesting, the Lord came to me, not quite two years, and he spoke this to me. He had been showing me some stuff about Moses and how maybe that might affect my life, you know, like really affect my life. And he said this to me, and it literally flattened me. It's time for you to write your Deuteronomy. Now, that probably means nothing to you. But let me tell you what it meant to Moses and to me. Deuteronomy was the last book that Moses wrote. And it was written 30 days before he died. These things I knew. (laughs) And I go, whoa, dude. And he gave me a couple of scriptures uh, uh, in the New Testament from Paul about the the time of my departure is at hand. And to stay here is good, but to go there is better. And whether I should stay here or go, you know, I haven't decided. He gave me two different scriptures where Paul wrote about that, about his departure. He gave them in an order in which I had to go, you know, go in the order that God gives it to you. And what I found is that God flipped the order in which they were written. He gave me the last thing that Paul wrote first and the first thing last. And so because of that, the last thing that Paul wrote was, I'm leaving now. The first thing that Paul wrote was, I haven't decided. And it took two, well, it took two years, I think, for Paul to go from, I haven't decided to saying, I'm now leaving. But he flipped it on me. And, and I say that because God has a sense of humor. He got me. I thought, oh my God, you're saying this is over. 
And I had a first, first time to really deal with the fact that I might be done here. I had to say I didn't like that. It made me cry, actually. So anyway, then he, <laughs> you see that deal where they, that, the joke they used to have, they'd say something and they'd say, not. You know, it's one of those. And he let me know. He said, no, 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 no. You, you, you have a Joshua time still in front of you. It took seven years for Joshua to take the promised land. You got at least more, seven more. Anywho, I can't remember why I said that, but it was pretty, you know, it was personal <laughs> trouble. Oh, yeah, I know why I told, told you that. Because uh, my Deuteronomy, here we go, kind of squirrel. <laughs> All the ADDs love that. Oh, no. I live that way. That and tweaking. Some people know what tweaking is. I'm looking at one of them. My Deuteronomy. And, I, and here's what it meant. Why God want me to say that to you? This church is here for a purpose. This church. God started this church before I ever came here. The work of this church. Now, it evolved and changed over the years until I got here and even after I got here and then took it over. But the purpose of this church here is what we're talking about today. This church was set up by God to be a witness of the spirit work in the community. Above all things, this is a spirit-filled church. Amen? We're not a denomination. We don't have a set doctrine. I was raised Baptist. I know what set doctrines are. My wife was raised Church of Christ. Wow, what a doctrine. Some of you were raised Catholic. I was married to one of those until she died. They have, I'm not sure what they have, but they have a doctrine. We're not about that. We're about that Bible and the work of the Holy Spirit in its fullness. We don't apologize for the Spirit. We don't try to legislate the Spirit. We don't try to direct the Spirit. We try to follow the Spirit. Okay? Wherever He leads us, we will go. And if it means I have to be look like a fool, I'll be that. Y'all haven't been here for when the earlier days when Betty remembers, I was a fool. Connie, you remember me dancing like an idiot up? I scared everybody in the audience when I started dancing. Everybody was looking down because I was supposed to grab one and have them dance in the spirit with me. And I tell you, that is not my style nor my personality. God spoke that to me. He said, dance. And I fear God. And I didn't know I could dance. Now, my brother and my dad and all these other guys in my family, they can dance. They can go to a bar and I mean, they have anyone they want. But all they got to do is just dance with her. They were good. That talent didn't come to me. I'm left-footed all the time. And so, but boy, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit, when God said that to me, the Holy Spirit hit me. You talk about dance. I danced like David danced. I could literally jump over one of those chairs. I would just go, whoo, jump out of the air and spin. Later I found out the Hebrew word for rejoicing and stuff was exactly that. I didn't know that. I was just nuts for Jesus. And like David said, I'll become more of a fool in praising his name. But that's what it takes. And I want to do whatever he wants. So this is the Spirit's work in Andrews, and this is this church. We will not be back up. We will believe for the miracles. We will believe for the works of the Spirit. We will believe for the best that God has, and we won't apologize for it. Amen.
How about that? End of the promo. I gotta teach this trouble. Okay, yeah, trouble, 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 trouble. In times of trouble, now let me talk about the trouble. Trouble, the Hebrew word for trouble in Old Testament is much like the New Testament word thlipsis. Y'all remember thlipsis? Tribulation. You remember thlipsis? What's the big deal about thlipsis? Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All right? Thlipsis is where you press something down that could run off and get out of this work, but it decides to stay. It's the crushing of the grape, the pressing of the olive. It produces the oil and the wine. All right? Thlipsis. And it is the doorway into the kingdom of God. You want to go into the kingdom? Go through Thlipsis. All right? And here's the Old Testament version of trouble. That thing which confines us. You remember about the, the path that Jesus said we need to walk on and the gate that we need to go through? There's two. There's a wide path and a wide gate. Most people go there. But there's also a narrow path and a straight gate. Few find it. And that's the one that God has. Philipsis. You go through that to enter into the greatness of God. So by the time you get through that, it ain't about you anymore. You ain't trying to build your ministry or your name. Height can take a walk. You're glad you're alive. And all you want to do is praise him because he saved you. Flips this. So that which confines us. Now, here's some other ones. Here's the feeling of it. It vexes us. Like, here's the description of the vexing portion of it. Like a rival wife. Now, we're not Mormons here. But imagine for a moment that you were. Both sides of the, of the equation. Men and women. How would, what do you think that feels like? To be a rival wife. Any lady would like to say a word? How about angry all the time? How about giving a bunch of jazz to husband? And everybody else, right? How'd you like to be the husband in a situation like that? <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> That's flipsis. That's the feeling of it all. It is a strong emotional response when pressed from the outside, like from your enemies. I think that Trump is there. The strong emotional response. They wonder, why, the, why don't you just be nice and quit tweeting? Well, what would you feel like if they attacked you every single day? With truth sometimes, but lies most of the time, and just all the time. The first day of his, of his, of his presidency, they were trying to impeach him. What had he done yet? Do you ever feel that way? At least bring something real. I mean, if you're going to accuse me, give me a fact. So it's an outside attack. But it's not just emotional response from the outside. It's also inside. The internal passions that are aroused when you're in, when you are, get this, confronted by your previous wrong choices. You can meditate on that one. You're, you'll finally come to the realization that you screwed up. And nobody else can take this off of you. It's your t-shirt. What? And there's no way out. Either you can run like a scalded dog and hope that nobody knows your name, 
or you could just face it. It is also the emotional distress of a woman in travail when she's about to have her first child. The emotional distress on the second and third child is not the same, is it, ladies? That first one scares the f- out of you, doesn't it? Emotional distress. That's a mild understatement. Husbands, you remember being in the room with the emotional distress woman of the first child? It's like, I'm going to rip your face off. That kind of feeling. And all you can say is, yes, dear. The emotional distress of a first child. And you know what? I really believe for a lot of people, that's exactly the way you feel. We're coming into something new. And it scares the f*** out of you. And the other one is the mending of an old wineskin. So I just described the sword generation and then the rod generation, the old wineskins. God is going to use you with the Holy Spirit in a way you've never seen before. And in order for that to happen, you have to be renewed like an old wineskin. You have got to be repaired. If you're not, then that bitterness is going to be the prevailing thing, and we can't have that. Amen. 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 All right, it's good stuff. So, and then there's one more thing that it can be. Isaiah 8. Philip says, trouble. He revised me in these things. Isaiah 8. Now, this, again, goes back to my Deuteronomy, the history of this church. Isaiah 8. And we're going to see the same word used here again. Verse 16 in the very first word. Bind up. Remember, trouble is that which constrains or it brings it tighter together. So we're going to bring all this together and wrap it tightly. Bind up what? The testimony. Now see, folks. The testimony is, is absolutely key. What is the testimony? It is what God produces out of your life when he presses you in a prophetic way. See, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of prophecy. And his work in you is to bring forth out of your life something, get this, something that looks like Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So we all live a prophetic life here. Sometimes we don't know why things are happening. We don't know what's happening. We surely don't know why. And most of it has to do with this revelation of what the kingdom of God and Jesus himself looks like. So sometimes you suffer not understanding why. But you don't get this. Jesus did too. And sometimes they hate you. But guess what? Jesus said, if they hate you, know that they first hated me. And on and on this thing goes. He is literally shaping you to be like him. So bind up, bring up together the message of your life for God. It matters to God. It is his thing that he will use, especially as we end enter to the end where he's looking for his witnesses. The witnesses are those who will speak the words of their testimony. 
So the word trouble here means literally the ending of the process. The ending of the process. It's almost over. Your wilderness is over. Hope you heard that. So what the wilderness is for is to train you to be in the Lord's army and take on his enemies. Well, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. So what this all has been, this last bit of the word trouble binding up, is to produce in a group, disciples, a testimony that can literally be called a sign and a wonder to the world in which we live. And you say, well, is that me? I'm saying to you, yes, it is. Especially if you go here. In this, and I, I'm not trying to put down any other church. I'm just saying this is our call, okay? Everybody has a different calling. This is our call. And I say that because, I mean, I believe in the Spirit. And you know, in Joel 2, when it says, I'll pour out my Spirit in the last days, you know one of the things they said they would do? Dream dreams. Spiritual dreams. Anybody here dream dreams? I'm a dreamer. I dream that. Boy, I dream like most people I don't know as much as I do. It was a dream that got me out of practicing laws and going into the, uh, to the ministry. A dream. Can you believe that? How strong was that dream? Real strong. So I had a series of dreams throughout my life. They were prophetic dreams. They're from God. I will stand on them. I can't forget them. They're powerful. And here's a dream that I had, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. I don't I can't remember. But I had this dream, and in this dream, God himself, get this, read that scripture to me. Now, what does that mean? He was saying to me, here you are, Larry, and the children that God has given you, we are for signs and wonders. And I, I preached it. And that's what's been happening. Michael, son, you or in this world. You get it. Do you get it? You can be a sign and a wonder. If you let the Spirit do His thing. You can be. All your disasters can be redeemed for the glory of the Lord. We don't want disasters. We don't want bad records. But you know the strongest woman in the New Testament was a lady that seven demons were cast out of. Mary Magdalene. Known as a harlot. Right? Am I right? There's your testimony. I was and now I am. Sign wonder. Susan's daughters. Get this. We've been talking about the prophetic marriage thing for a while. Song of Solomon. And we believe that Susan and I are a prophetic marriage. A type and a shadow. A sign and a wonder for what God wants to do. It was a sign of what Jesus and his bride are going to be like in the last days. Bride and bridegroom. What comes out of a marriage but fruit, right? People. Her two daughters, since we got married, meth heads, smoked cigarettes, lost their kids, no family. Today, 
got the kids back, not doing meth, and the miracle of all, I guess, is they don't smoke anymore. So there's your spiritual fruit from a spiritual marriage. Signs and wonders to anybody that would like to look at it and say, could that be me too? Yes. The promise is to you. And to as many as the Lord our God will call. We're not special. We're not. We're just people who heard that call and said yes to it. It's to you, folks. That dream was for you. That's scripture. That blew me away. I mean, God's free. Read me his word in a dream. Do y'all believe that? It's crazy. You know, you can either say, I don't believe in dreams or I don't believe Larry. So either you call me a liar, which I can handle that. Or you have to question your own doctrine. Does the Spirit give dreams? Does the Spirit prophesy? Does it call out things that are not as though they are? This is faith in action. It's not a theory. It's truth. Or it's not. And God will push you along the way until you make that choice. It's either real or it's a big fat lie. Why am I here? Man, he's put me in those positions. Either God's going to move or God has lied to me. I can't stand the thought that God might lie to me. That God God might, might fail. But he's got me right to the edge so many times. Then he comes through. And so I can say, God did it, not me. I was that, and he pulled it off anyway. He's a good God. Three things are given to those who are called to this in here that we must do. And we're in the process of it right now. Look at those three things. We're in verse 17. Number one, I will wait on the Lord. Number two, who hides his face from us. That's a big one. Number three, I will hope in him. Now, wait and hope are actually very close words in the Hebrew. They're like synonyms in a way. But they have a different application in a way, but they come together also. So let's take them first. Let's take wait first. Looking at Isaiah 64. The word wait is to wait with an attitude of earnest expectation and confident hope. Isaiah 64. Starting verse 4. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. There's no God like that God. Would you hold your place there in your Bible, if you have a real Bible, and go to 1 Corinthians 2. And I don't know how you do it on those stupid phones. 1 Corinthians 2. Paul brings this scripture to us. Verse 9, it is written, as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, 
Yes, the deep things of God. So go back to Isaiah 64. The things that Isaiah was speaking to, Paul gives us definition of. And if we wait, there are things that have been hidden from us. If you read, keep on reading in Corinthians, it says the natural man, in other words, the way I am when I'm born and the way I grew up, the natural man cannot receive the things that God has hidden because they are spiritual. So the soulish man, even though he may be the smartest man on earth, Einstein level, cannot grasp, cannot even see the things which God has hidden in his heart for us. Okay? For those who wait for him. All right? Now, I'll bring those two together so that I will show you something here. There really is a difference, folks, between what you want out of your life, your purposes, and what God has for you. They're totally different. I told you about my dream which saved me from law school, right? Or saved me from being a lawyer. I didn't like that then, but I love it now. I'm glad I'm not a lawyer. Everybody hates lawyers. They also hate salesmen. And a lot of them hate preachers. I'm screwed. All right, so he says, for those who wait for him. Now look at the next verse, verse 5. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness. That's the spiritual man. Who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry. Here's the other side. For we have sinned. In these ways we continue and we need to be saved. There's your reality of life right there. You start off with the second half of verse 5. We are sinners. We need to be saved. That by grace, not a works lest any man should boast. We continue in it even though we don't want to do it. Until the Spirit moves for us. And then, then we begin to lay down my will and my purposes and my goals in life. And so the Holy Spirit now has access to the heart of God and he will start showing you things about what he wants out of your life. Okay? But it starts with you waiting. Habakkuk 2. Turn over there. Habakkuk 2. What are we waiting for? There's got to be something that we're waiting for. Waiting just in the air doesn't seem to get it for me. Habakkuk, a prophet, shows us this. Verse 2, chapter 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision... Is yet for an appointed time. At the end, not at the beginning of the process of your life, at the end of whatever work he's doing, it will speak and it will not lie. That's an interesting word. It will not disappoint you. It will not lie. You can trust in it. And many of us have lived long lives waiting for God to prove and do what he's promised us. We wonder about our vision. He says, but you just got to live out the whole process. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. And there's that word again. With confident expectation that it's coming. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, 
but the just shall live by his faith. And that's one of the great messages of the entire Bible. We brought it into the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. So what we're going to enter into has got to be of the spirit and by faith. So we are to wait. What are we waiting for? It says for the vision, the vision. The word vision here is means a prophetic revelation. In other words, like we saw in Corinthians, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what things God has for him. The spirit searches God's heart and reveals it. Revelation, prophetic revelation, reveals it to you. That's the vision you have to seek after. You have to wait for it. Now, until you get it, look at Proverbs chapter 29, I think. Proverbs 29. You get the same word, vision. Proverbs 29. Trying to get there. Verse 18. Where there is no vision, or this New King James says revelation. It's the same Hebrew word. It is that Hebrew word. Where there is no vision... The people cast off restraint. Now, let me just give you other verses of the Bible, what they say about what happens when you don't have this prophetic revelation from God. When you're walking to your own drummer, seeking your own plan of life, this is what happens to you. Well, here it says they cast off restraint. They'll do, I guess, anything they want to. The King James says they perish. Strong word. Other ones say they go every which way. They're all over the place. You see people who just job hop all the time? That kind of thing. Here's another one. They run wild. My God, we've got people in here that did that. They ran wild. And they stumble all over themselves. We still have that. Right? Everybody's left-footed all the time without the prophetic revelation of what God has in his heart for you. You will do all kinds of stuff that doesn't work with that kind of a fruit. Which brings us to what does he have for you? That's the word hope. The word hope is in his heart. Y'all know Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have for you. They're not of evil. They're of good. To give you a future and a hope. That's in God's heart. And if you will let him, at some point he's going to reveal it to you. Most of you, many of you have already seen it. You're old enough that you should have seen your, your life call. What's kind of funny about it in some ways, we really haven't seen it because we've lived our whole lives in the spiritual wilderness. And now God is saying, go to the promised land. You're going to Really? You mean it's supposed to be different than this? Yeah. Yeah, you just had to put 40 years in there, you know, or 30 hours you are living with the rest of us until we can get rid of those people who don't have faith. It's by faith they entered in. Are y'all with me? Things have changed. And so now the prophetic revelation is here. We have to, we have to deal with it. Well, that's what God is saying. So that brings us up to the third key that Isaiah gave us in binding up my testimony. I had to deal with the fact that God has hidden his face. That is a killer. I will go back again to Isaiah 54. Turn there if you would. Isaiah 54. 
This is a current issue. And this process of dealing with a God who hides his face can really mess you up. Now, I know it's messed me up. It's hard to understand a God who time means nothing to. When we have 70 years promising, you know, the clock is ticking. I know it's so ticking so much that people get all emotional. Every time I mention all those people in the checkout line. Well, don't say that. How old are you? Oh, he's a, no sense of humor anymore. What you do when I say stuff like that, you say, well, I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like Moses. I want to live like Methuselah. Extend my days, oh God, so I can finish what you have called me to do. Age is not the issue when you're seeking and doing the purpose of God. That's the truth. I mean, I know I look old. I don't feel it. I really don't feel a bit different than I did when I started this thing. And that, maybe that's just normal. Is that normal? I don't as someone older than you. Is that normal? Thank you. I'm glad that, you know, we all feel that way. What was the rest of it? Then you look at the mirror and you go, oh my God. It's true. Isaiah 54. We have a purpose. And this is a scripture that God gave me. Again, I want to go back to the Deuteronomy thing. When God started this, my portion of this church's call. He gave me this scripture. We were not in good shape. We were the dirty dozen. Right? We were, we were transferring over from the mating place. A little take on words. It was the meeting place. I won't say another word. Previous leadership. To the city of refuge. Wasn't fun. Wasn't fun. And God gives me this scripture. I had no idea. It was going to come back on us in verse 7. As he was giving me the new name after a few years of eating the reproach of the old name, he gives me this name on the trip that he gave me the name of the city of refuge. Verse 7, for a mere moment, I have forsaken you, but with great mercies, I will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. I hid my face. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. So God gave me. Real prophetic. I was hoping that it was wrapped up and finished. Oh, no, no, no. He was starting a work that he will now finish 30 years later. All right? So it's a prophetic says one thing now, another thing in the future. Let's look at the... As it was and the way it was supposed to become. Look at verse 7. For a mere moment, I have. What has he, what has he done? Forsaken you. Look at verse 8. With a little wrath, I have, or I did, hid my face. So he did do those things. I have. Forsaken and hid my face. What comes out of that is I will. Go back to verse 7. Great mercies, with great mercies, I will gather you. Verse 8, 
with everlasting kindness. That's loyal love. Kassed. I will have mercy on you. I, I like another word for that. It's the incredible love that a mother has for the baby of her womb. Rakam. That intensity of love. I'm going to love you. you guys, you remember when your firstborn was born? Did that blow your mind? I was overwhelmed. I didn't know his love like that existed. Did y'all? It's crazy good. Couldn't think of anything but that baby. And God says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to overlay it with the loyalty of forever. It's coming back. That's how I'm going to do it. You're going to feel loved on. How about that one? I kind of like that one. Give me more of that one. Well, Zechariah talks about it as well. Zechariah, again, a Deuteronomy moment, a scripture given again when this church, when I began my part with this group of people in this church, it was a foundational thing that God was doing. It was prophetic. And now we're starting to see the end of it. Chapter 9, verse 11. As for you, because of the blood of your covenant. Boy, this is a great verse. Because of the covenant and the blood of Jesus Christ and the promise that God gave. Because of the blood of your covenant, I will. And again, here we go prophetically. I will. Set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold. You prisoners of hope. That third word, hope. Today I declare I will restore double to you. Prisoners of hope. When this thing blew up, and I was left, I was the only leader left after the big major blow up. It was crazy. Me and a couple of other, few other weirdos. We had a prophet come in. And uh, I picked him up from the airport. And I, was, and, I mean, he knew that we had just gotten blown up of the mating place thing. And I said, uh, you know, I don't know. Everybody wants to leave. And they are leaving. They stand up one Sunday and say, God told me to stay. Next Sunday they were gone. That happened week after week after week. It was crazy. And I said, but you know, there are some that just stayed. And all I can say, all I can think about is this scripture I keep reading, that we are all just prisoners of hope. Prisoners. Of what? Hope. Hope imprisons me. The plan of God, the purpose of God, holds me where I should be and won't let me free. And they won't leave because they're prisoners of this thing. There is a vision here. And it, he about fell out of the car that was moving at 70 miles an hour because his sermon was already prepared. Guess what the title of it was? Prisoners of Hope. And we made a banner. You remember the banner? Prisoners of hope. We put it on a wall. 
Al Houghton shows up to minister to us. He walks in, almost falls down, and starts almost crying because of that banner. Because the same work was going on in him. We're not alone. We're not alone. We are prisoners of God's purpose. And there's a point there where he says, I've done this, but I'm declaring to you, there's a point, and I'm telling you, it's coming now. I will restore and give you the double. And then he, the, the verse 68 was part of that. He says, the Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people. They shall be like the jewels of a crown lifted like a banner over his land. And so I think that's now. I believe it's now. I'm telling you it's now. But we have an issue. What must we do about our current condition? And our current condition is this. We have been bruised because of our long wait in the wilderness. Everybody has been in a way. And I'll show you why in a minute. But it is what it is, folks. And when someone comes to you and, re- and speaks again about hope and your first inclination is to shrink back, like we talked about last Sunday, and you ask God, are you going to be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that cannot be trusted? You're promising all this, and all I can remember is a lot of times where nothing happened. And instead of the good, I got a beaten. I don't trust you. And he found it. The area where I don't trust you. I don't want to be like that. But that's the reality of living like this for a long time. That is our reality. Amen? Am I speaking to anybody out there at all? I mean, does anybody have that feeling? Oh, we're talking about good things. Oh, I'm not sure about me. I can't add faith to that. I have been so broken. And disappointed that I really don't trust him. I really don't. Don't want it to be that way, but that's the way it is. All I got is a record that doesn't look like what you say. That's reality. Well, if this has been happening before, in Psalms 105, look at this scripture. Al brought this. Boy, he blew me out with this scripture. There was a there was a a uh, generation much like us, the Jews who lived for centuries, actually, for generations in prison, the prison of Egypt. And here we had Zechariah says, "I want to set you free, you prisoners." So Moses was sent to a people who had been stuck there for. Generation after generation. Do you think that affected the way they thought? All they can see is building more bricks. Brick, brick, brick. Dying out there in that dirty place. And here comes a guy saying, hey, God loves you guys. And he wants to set you free. So you think everybody jumped up and down and said, oh, we can do this. But you got to deal with the way it is. And the way it was is that these people had no hope. They had no faith. 
And it wasn't their fault. They were working out their testimony, the spirit of prophecy. And it was time to bind it up. So what did Moses have to do? Well, we see it here in, in Psalms 105, verse 37. He brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among the tribes. None feeble. Moses healed them all. Moses was a man. He said, God's going to raise up another prophet like unto me. What did Jesus do wherever he went? He healed them all. See, that's our problem. We read that stuff. And if you were like me, when I was a young man, I read that. That's what he does. He heals them all. All the time. And yet my experience has been, sometimes he does. That's my experience. That was their experience. So God had to do something to get a whole nation, two million people, to get up and walk out of the prison they had been in for hundreds of years. None feeble among them. And the word feeble there, interesting, means they were weak, they were wounded, and their life was failing. And some of them had never experienced any success at all. They don't know what success looks like. And he's given them the promise of tremendous victory. I'm going to have a victory. You you start singing songs like that to someone who's lived in disappointment all their life, you're threatening their existence. Do you want to be healed? That's what it comes down to. Well, he healed them all. What does that mean to us? My Deuteronomy, Joshua 1. When I began this walk with God here, and it was still the meeting place, the first prophets that come through the door started giving me these words. And one of them, the second guy there, Ivan Tate, gave me this as a word. It is a revelation, a prophetic revelation without a vision. The people run all over the place, perish. Same word, revelation. Here was the revelation that God gave to me for you. You really got to understand this. This is for you. Verse Chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He said, you take them in, Larry. You to lead them in to the promised land. It was for you. Okay? It took me almost 40 years. <laughs> it took me most of my life to figure out. You know, I thought, well, I'm Joshua. No, he said, no. What does it start out with? As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Hey, dealing, you're like Moses. I didn't want to be like Moses because he was old. And I had hair like, who has real color? Josh Dower. He has hair that is of a color. I used to be like that. I didn't want to be like this. I want to get it all. Let's do it. We're going in. <coughs> Not, no, we went, we went into the wilderness. 
And we've been there ever since. But I've been getting some wonderful things here. You know, God says, okay, no. Moses was supposed to take them in. You do know that. He failed at the end, but it was never the call of God for Moses to fail. He let the people get to him. Y'all, back off. (laughs) Don't make me strike you. His original call was to take them into the promised land. But I think we're in. Now, he does give a promise here, though. As I was with Moses, I want to be with you, Joshua. What did Moses do? He healed them all. What do you think Joshua was facing after 40 years of death in the wilderness? A people who needed to be healed. Look at chapter 5. We'll end here. Chapter 5. Look at the caption above chapter 5. The second generation circumcised. Word to the swords. This is unto you. This is unto you. This is what's going on with the younger crew. The older crew, the Jacob, I mean the Joshua's and the Caleb's among us, you've been circumcised. You've got your covenant with God. You've got the scars of it too. The younger generation, what I see happening after we went through Lake City, I think Lake City was us crossing over. Now we're at the circumcision phase. How good has it been? To the younger guys, welcome to the reality of having a covenant with God, which has the blessings and the curse. If you do the blessing side, if you do obey him, be faithful, be real, confess your sins. I mean, do the whole thing the way it says. You will be blessed. But most people, we read it, we continue to sin, so we need to be saved. So here comes the process of circumcision. And it's tough. Let's read this, chapter 5. So it was when all the kings of the wells just worked down. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives. Let's go back to the first one, sorry. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, and on the, other, the cross of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. Their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer. I do believe that for this church that happened at Lake City in 2018 or 2017. They crossed over. But work still to be done. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. What a place. <laughs> we, we need a place called the hill of the foreskins. There you go. be an anthill here. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt were, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness, that'd be all, sort of guys, had not been circumcised. 
For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt and were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which he had sworn to their fathers. Verse 7. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in in the camp until they were healed. By the way, that word healed is the same word that we started off with in Psalms 138. You will revive us. Same word. So what I'm seeing here from last week and this week, we have the old people who have eaten disappointment all their life. And now when it's time to finally get what God has promised and we have waited for for so long, that instead of jumping up and down with joy, we're freaking out saying, I don't think I trust him. They need to be healed. And we talked about that last week and prayed for you. And there's still some among us that still have that to deal with. You need to be healed. God will supply the faith for you to be healed. If you can't do it yourself. But please try to exercise your faith. It's better. And for those of you, the younger generation, you know, I, you guys know I love you guys. I mean, you knuckleheads. Patrick blew me away again. He used some of his old talents last year, last night to help us out. I won't say what that is, but it reminds me of stuff, you know. You need to be healed because we're going to cut the foreskin off. The process of God in the last few months, six months maybe, has to be chopping off your flesh. Do I hear an amen from anybody who is getting there? Let's just be real about it. This is not bad. This is your covenant with God being ratified. You got to grow up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't say, I know God and love him and not do his commandments. Amen. It's impossible. Yes. You may think you're loving him, but he don't see it that way. Let's be real. If you love me, obey me. Yes. The promises of God are to those who are faithful. Are you faithful? Can I look at you, can Larry look at your life and say, that's a faithful man. That's a faithful woman. Or do I have to say, Aah. Time to set your record straight. Time to stake, put a stake in the ground and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what it's going to cost. And you know what? I've been there. I thought it was going to cost me everything. My family. How about that one? I thought I was going to lose my family over this thing. I'm not playing games. It's time to put up. Be men. Be women of faith, of covenant. And then let God heal us all. Let's take this thing. I'm telling you, the signs and wonders are are surely coming. But if you enter into that time halfway, you're going to get smoked. Don't kid yourself. This is holy. And you touch it with unclean hands or an impure heart or a divided heart, don't think you're going to get it. What you're going to get is fire that consumes.
Does anybody hear what I'm trying to say here? Okay. If you want, I'm going to pray. You don't have to do nothing. Just do what you want to do. But if you want to receive this, I'm asking you to just receive this. Okay. Father, I am praying for these people. I know your heart. You have longed for a people like this. You've been searching for a people like this. You want to show yourself for who you really are. Powerful. But even more so. Loving. Loving. You're looking for a bride. For your son. Who is like him. He didn't turn his face from the, from the stuff. He faced the music to redeem a people. God, let it be this people. My prayer for them is that you would heal them all. Heal all of them. All that would, oh God. All of them that will say, yes, I'm yours. Be real, oh God, and cause them to see this is of you. Show us, God, that this is you. Do what you do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will move among this people. And that you will deal with their hearts, oh God. Bring up the thoughts of their heart. Meet them with your loving kindness and with your great mercies and your absolute standard. Love me above all things. Meet them there and make these people your own. Make them the crowns of your jewels. Make them, Father, a banner before the people that we live among. Really, signs and wonders to the glory of God. And no other. We don't want glory. We want you. And only you. I pray that you do it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. And to the glory of Jesus Christ and my Father who has sent him. Send these people into their promised land. Bold, yet humble by what God has done. No man could do it. But God did do it. Because he's not a man that he should lie. He will finish it. He has started it, now finish it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Tonight at 6, we're going to worship him.